everyone, and welcome to the show. This is episode number 64 of Pop Culturally Deprived, and today we're going to be talking about Parks and Recreation Season 6 on your I'm the Maverick podcast. I'm Andy Kay. And I'm Matthew Vose. Uh, we would like to remind everybody that we do have a Patreon page. You can get bonus content, updates, find out what we're doing on all of our shows across Eloquent Gushing, um, and you can find out more information if you go to patreon.com slash eloquentgushing. We love our Patreons. Uh, our, no, we love our Patreon page in general. We love our patrons. That's who we love. Um, they allow us to expand and do more shows, get new equipment, rent the movies that we watch and rent the TV shows that we watch. So uh, the support we get is amazing. If you want to be part of that and help support us, go check out the page. Um, our, our top tier uh, patrons even get early access to parks to even get early access to pop culture deprived episodes. Ooh. <laughs> So, okay. so Parks and Recreation season six aired in September or from September 2013. It focuses on Leslie's recall vote, her return to the parks, her return to the Parks and Recreation Department, and an offer to work at the National Parks Department. We also see Ron engaging with his family, Andy starting a career as a child, children's entertainer, plus Anne and Chris move away from Pawnee. Mm. <laughs> thoughts to come um mandy any change <laughs> to the way you've been able to watch it nope they have not yet taken it off of netflix in the u.s so i'm still chugging along that way nice it's still on amazon prime over in the uk fantastic i've never actually checked if it's on netflix probably not i feel like it would have recommended it to me at some point <laughs> yeah pro i'm sure it would have okay so uh we are Really getting through Parks and Rec now. Last season, you gushed and gushed. You loved uh, Leslie and Ben. You really enjoyed a lot of the stories. How did you find season six? Um. Okay, so first, I did like it. Okay. It, it wasn't bad, but it was very underwhelming. Um, it just it it didn't have the same kick to it that all of the other seasons had had. I didn't come out of it. With the exception of the last episode, I didn't come out of it going, oh my gosh, I'm so excited and I love this and this is fantastic, like I had on all of the pre previous seasons. Right. Um, and so I feel like I'm kind of waning a little bit uh, with the show just because they did things a little bit differently and it, it wasn't this, – this was kind of settling into a routine whereas all of the previous seasons had kind of been building on each other and we kept getting more and more and more. Mm-hmm. And then this season was like a plateau okay. of everybody is where they need to be, and we're just going to plug along day to day. And so it just wasn't quite as exciting, if that makes sense. Yeah, I, I feel like there are different writers on this season, but they're kind of doing some of what we've seen before. Like you say, plateauing. I, I don't feel like I need to see Tom opening a new business and having problems. I don't need to see Andy struggling with his identity and whether he should be in a band or not. I don't mm -hmm. need to see April snarking at everyone all the time. Although, admittedly, she's probably the most different this season. Yes. There, there were a lot of the big stories that just didn't feel hugely different from what we've had before. Right. Yeah, I feel like this, this season was very much the same, mm. but less. You know, because we've already gone through it before, and we've already been really excited about Leslie and Ben being married, and we were already really excited about ron and diane last season and then this season yeah they were married but she wasn't 
in it mm. at all until the last episode. <laughs> I wonder what, so. Yeah, I wonder what Lucy Lawless was doing for the season. Hmm. Yeah, I spoke last episode about how it, it feels like it's doing less original comedy and it, it's using mm-hmm. the character stuff to, to do the comedy. And, and this season even more so, that same thing applies, but the development and the plots are about character growth rather than situation growth. So, like we say, Ron now being nicer and engaging with people, April being nicer and engaging with people, uh, Chris and Anne becoming comfortable with each other and dealing with having children. and Although that's more situational. That's a bad example. Um, Do- Donna and Keegan-Michael Key. You know, her thing that, oh, he's my Tammy. Well, mm, mm. not really. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And even even Jerry, Larry, Gurgic, Gary, Terry. <laughs> um, right. But even finding out more about him as a character and him and Ben bonding a bit. Well, it's okay. But Well, see, now that's one of the things that I actually liked about the season. Mm-hmm. Um, I... I think I generally preferred watching the characters grow that they haven't really given growth to previously. Mm-hmm. And those, so that for me this season, those characters were Tom and Jerry. Wow, <laughs> Tom and Jerry. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I really appreciated kind of like last season we – we really didn't talk about Tom at all because his character had not grown. He was the same as he had always been. And I feel like we got to see some of that change this season and we got to experience a little bit of his growth as human. And the same thing with Jerry, Gary, Larry, Terry, whatever his name is, (laughs) just because this time he wasn't just the butt of the jokes. We got to see inside his head a little bit. We Mm. got to see how he actively chooses to allow those things to happen to him. We don't really know why, but it's a thing that he knows is going to happen. And and he knows, you know, he actively encourages Ben to just go with it and not to stand up for him. Mm. And, And I thought those were really nice moments because they give him a depth of character that he did not previously have. Yeah. I, I think the necessity of that certainly comes from um, Anne and Chris leaving. Y- you raised the point last time that um, Retta and Jim O'Hare are not in the credits. Mm-hmm. Did you notice what happened this season? I didn't notice until I saw your note in the doc. Okay. And I went back and watched the credits. I had skipped the credits every time because I assumed they would be the same because they'd always been the same. Um, and so this time I skipped them every single time <laughs> just because I was trying to like save that 30 seconds every time so I could watch more um and, and kind of get through it in time for us to record today um and as soon as i saw that note i went back and i watched the credits and i was like if i had watched the credits from the beginning i would not have been surprised that ann and chris were leaving completely blindsided me well i had no idea they weren't gonna be in the show and uh rob Lowe and rashida jones are taken out of the credits the episode after they leave and they're replaced okay. by retta and jim o'hare <laughs> Okay, and and I had to check that because I, uh this is super inside baseball. I don't skip the credits. I skip the first ten seconds of the credits because the Amazon app skips forward or backward ten seconds, and the credits are like twenty five seconds. Oh right, <laughs> or fifteen yeah. seconds or something. So I skip the first ten and then fine, whatever. Um, okay. So that so that first episode, I was like, oh, hey, Rhett is in the in the credits. Has she always been there, and I've just never noticed. Has then has, when did this change? <laughs> Okay. Yeah, mm. I 
I was really glad to see that they added her. Yeah, and and they then get a few more storylines themselves during this season. Yeah, I I really enjoyed her character this season too. It was it was our our primary characters from the previous seasons that were kind of lackluster for me in this mm. season. Because for them, it was just kind of same old, same old. And then the folks who had always kind of been in the background before kind of got their own stories and their own arcs this season. And I appreciated that, but it wasn't quite enough to bring up the season to the level that I had previously expected. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, Let's talk a little bit about the content of the season. Last time you had a few predictions for what was going to happen in season six. Um, yeah, my streak of being right is wrong. <laughs> it's gone. <laughs> uh, Leslie's recall, you thought she would she would fight it and that would the recall would not be successful? Yeah. That's a genuinely surprising twist that, that they do actually vote her out of office. Yeah, um, especially the way they built up to it because mm. you expected eagleson to have her back and then all of a sudden you realize they have her back only so that they can vote one of their own people in yeah and i wasn't expecting it and it really irritated me um yeah i mean i suppose it's good storytelling but because i didn't see it coming (laughs) it is it is one of the things that makes it feel a bit lackluster because you have the main character having a disappointment and a, a massive setback that, that leaves her in the same place she was in through seasons one through three or four. Right. So it's a bit, oh, oh, okay. So we're going back to this story, are we? Okay. Cool, 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 cool. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's exactly what it felt like. Mm. Um, You thought that Ron and Diane would be pregnant, but then wouldn't be pregnant? Yes. <laughs> uh, I don't remember exactly what I said. I, don't, I, I think I may have been thinking that it was like a false positive or something. Okay. No, no, I they had a baby. Wrong. They had a baby with yes, absolutely no warning. they absolutely no had a baby. <laughs> <laughs> it was like, oh, hey, we haven't seen Diane in a while, but here's a baby. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, you said that Anna Chris would have a baby. I was right about that Anna one. Chris definitely have a baby. <laughs> um, April would go to vet school and might become a vet, but might decide she wants to stay at City Hall. It's kind of half right. Yeah. Because she decided she wanted to stay at City Hall. <laughs> they, they basically gave up on what the end of the last season had been her lifelong dream. Yeah. Again, a little bit disappointing for the character. Yeah, and it, it didn't make any sense. I mean, she showed up for the orientation and was just like, no, this is stupid. Yeah. Like, why? What's happening? This was her dream. Like, we needed a little bit more to kind of understand why she was doing that rather than just them erroneously giving us a way for her to stay at City Hall. Hmm. Um, it, it really has the feeling of a new showrunner or season exec producer or something deciding, actually, no, let's not follow that thread through. Or we don't have the budget to support all the sets that would take. And, the, you know, multiple shooting hmm. crews or something. Maybe. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, it did very much feel like they gave up and just let all of these storylines just die. Just reverted, yeah. Um, And you thought Andy would grow up and continue to work with Ben, maybe start making good decisions and have a little bit of wisdom. Uh, This one's a little bit hit or miss. I mean, he grew up a little bit. He did continue to work with Ben a little while. Um, And then he did end up finding something he was good at. Mm -hmm. And he um, had some wisdom for Leslie. (laughs) <laughs> about her being pregnant or getting a dog. 
just because your family is getting bigger does not mean that you can't handle it. You and Ben can handle anything. Wow. Andy, thank you. That's exactly what I needed to hear right now. God, it's so weird that you know that I'm pregnant before Ben does. Pregnant? Holy crap, Leslie. Yeah, well, what did you think? I thought you were getting a dog. Well, why did you go like this? That's a sign for petting a dog that's sitting on your lap. Pregnant? Wow. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. Which is a great moment. Um, that, that, that was a great moment. Mm. Um, I think... I think Andy had the the latter half of the season was better for Andy than the first half. Um, and I know that's probably because we, we mostly didn't see him the first half because he was in Linden. Um, Literally. Chris, yes. Chris Pratt was over here filming Guardians of the Galaxy. Right. Hence, right. hence why um, he's suddenly looking super trim. So the only thing you did was stop drinking beer? Yeah, I lost 50 pounds in one month. How much beer were you drinking? <laughs> I know, right? Probably too much. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> Throw a line, but it was perfect. Yeah. Um, but I have to be honest, though. Watching it now, I had no context for what was happening in the world when this was actually airing. Mm. And so I didn't put that connection together, that it was because he was filming Gardens of the Galaxy yeah. while this was on. I think in my brain... Like, the MCU and Parks and Rec were not on TV at the same time. <laughs> like, Parks and Rec was done, which is stupid. I know that. <laughs> um, but it, just, it didn't even occur to me that he was doing Guardians of the Galaxy at the same time that he was still on Parks and Rec, or that Parks and Rec was even still on. Is Parks and Rec set in the MCU? <laughs> <laughs> we have no proof otherwise. <laughs> that is absolutely true. <laughs> Yeah, um, I, I'm, I'm going to headcanon that, I think. But yes, he was over here. And I suspect that's one of the reasons why they set it in London um, to have that. Mm. So they could they could ha include him for that bit. Include Peter Serafinowicz, who is, of course, in Guardians of the Galaxy. I knew he looked familiar. I couldn't <laughs> place him. Yeah, so my, um, my prediction average went way down this season. <laughs> you made more predictions than normal, though. So um, it will be interesting to see where you go with for this season. Let's talk more of the detail on these. We've not really touched on the merger. <sighs> now, I, I get the... From this, I can very clearly see that US cities are run in a very independent fashion and a very different fashion than perhaps mm -hmm. we might expect over here. Uh, more at a state level than a federal level. Um, this sort of merger or budgetary crisis within a city, is this something you've experienced or you're aware of from towns near you? Um, not at this level. I know I have been involved in um, what they call an annex, where parts of a city that aren't actually in the city limits will be taken over by the city um, and become part of the city. Hmm. And that usually happens by a vote. I mean, they can't, they don't just do it. There's a, a vote to make it happen. Um, but I, I haven't seen something this big okay. where it's actually two cities merging together okay um but i i'm sure it can happen and and that it has happened in places yeah i bet i bet it has um i absolutely love this storyline i think it's so clever to build on the years of animosity that they've used as a running gag this is the mm -hmm. perfect sort of twist when you talk about building up and then going and now you've got to work together and become the same thing. Right. 
And these really rich people, they're the ones who have run out of money. Excellent. I did really enjoy the episode where um, they went over to help Eagleton get out of their budget crisis before the merger happened. And we found out how they were spending all of their money. Yeah. (laughs) That was fun. Um, You know, giving everybody a massage and paying for HBO for everybody in the town. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that was interesting. They have a a department of dressage. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> Excellent. And that's good. That That is an interesting take on someone that has lots of money that does stuff. It's not just, oh, everything is gold-plated and fabulous. It's actually, okay, yeah, we spent it on silly things, but we've actually spent it on things that you could... Oh, I don't know if I want to say you could see happening, but you could see someone making the decision to do something daft like that. Building Ice Town, for instance. <laughs> Yes. Well, okay. You can see somebody choosing to make one of those decisions. I don't think you can see somebody choosing to make all of those decisions at the same time. Yeah. That That's, that's what fair. made it just quite preposterous mm-hmm. to me. Um, but I will say Kristen Bell played it perfectly. And when she showed up, I got pretty excited. I bet you did. <laughs> I did. Yeah. And- I was like, I did not expect her. Like, there were a lot more cameos this season, or at least cameos of people I was more familiar with this season. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was that was nice and, and unexpected for me. Yeah, so I've sort of been tracking the Michael Schur crossovers. Um, Kristen Bell is pretty much the only one this season, I think. Um, mm-hmm. But she is almost the pinnacle of it. You know, she would go on to be the lead character in another of his shows. Mm-hmm. That's yeah, and and she is. She comes across very well as a, another take on Leslie. What if Leslie was in Eagleton and was someone who was passionate about the town in that way, but used to the luxury of it? Yes, mm. very much so. She was she was different from the other Eagletonians. She didn't have that same level of animosity towards mm-hmm. Pawnee, um, but she was very much an Eagletonian. And so she she did that, I think, very well. Yeah, definitely. Our friend on Twitter, Anna underscore MCG, said, Kristen Bell is one of my favorite things about this season. I think, yeah, the the fact that she's in a couple of episodes and then comes back later, like you say, that really good twist of the Eagletonians are backing Leslie so they can get Kristen Bell in there. Wonderful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so good. Yeah. Uh, post the merger, we actually get a, a new member of the Parks and Rec Department, new member of staff. We get <sighs> Craig, portrayed by Billy Eichner. Uh, yeah, so, so that's the thing. Yeah, out of all of the Eagletonians that they brought in to be counterparts, I'm like flummoxed that he's the one that stayed. Yeah, and he does not behave like someone from Eagleton compared to all the other Eagletonians we've met. Not at all. I mean, you can tell he has some like privilege issues mm-hmm. because he's he's accustomed to things being a certain way, but he's just way too out there and way too over the top yeah um, and by and large in the writing he's one note something's happening and he yes. gets overly passionate about it and super aggressive whether it's a positive or a negative thing well good night everyone i'm going to go home and feel totally fine who am i kidding i'm gonna go home put on a macy gray album and cry in the mirror what? there was one time that i did actually like him though because i just found it really amusing wow go on when <laughs> When he wanted to be the sommelier for Tom's Bistro, mm. 
And they were like, you have to prove to us that you can keep it down and like you can actually do this job. And he came out and he did everything that they wanted, but then he turned around and went in the wine cellar and started screaming. Silly straws all around, please. I'll be right back with my recommendations. Seems to be keeping it together. What kind of monster orders red with fish? I know they're messing with me and it's just a test, but have some decency! For you, sir, a light crispino with just a hint of lemon to bring out the flavors in your fish. I brought you a bold Cabernet, which should still taste okay when watered down. And for you, madam, uh, would you consider this rosé? It's halfway between red and white. Thanks very much. Enjoy. Mm. Think I may have found my new sommelier? That was so embarrassing! Why we'll have to make sure the wine cellar at Tom's Bistro is soundproof. <laughs> I liked that. I thought that was a nice note. Um, because you could see he did really want it and he was trying really hard. Yeah. And I liked that. I thought that was nice. And that is an appropriate use for his passion and aggression. Like, yes. Like, great, um, getting angry people. It did not fit well in the Parks and Rec department. No. Uh, and especially because quite often he does it because he's shouting about how much he loves a TV show or he thinks Chris is, uh, not Chris, he, Chris Pratt. He, he thinks Andy's so amazing at being a kids present performer and he has to come and help him. Like, okay. Right. Dude, literally take a chill pill. Yeah. Yes. Um, so yeah, for most of the season, I, I tried to tune him out because I just could not. Like, he grated on my nerves. Like, he, it was almost like fingernails on a chalkboard every time he talked. Yeah. Fortunately, he wasn't in too many episodes. What else did we have this season? Ben became city manager, took over from Chris. That was a weird note for me. Hmm. Honestly. Um, I, I didn't expect it and I'm not sure that it would have happened quite that way. Like, I don't, I feel like they just handed him the job and I, I can't really see that happening in a situation like that. Um, and I disliked the running gag of him having to quit the accounting firm for the third time. <laughs> what do you say? I mean, I, I, wow, I would be insane to say no. Oh no. Wyatt, you're late. <laughs> I'm just kidding. You can do whatever you want. <laughs> Actually, Barney, I'm afraid I have some bad news. Today's my last day. I got an opportunity I couldn't say no to, and I have to quit again. No need to explain. I knew it was too good to be true. Like, once sucked. Twice was kind of funny. Three times is just cruel. <laughs> I quite like it. <laughs> <laughs> and I like it because the oh, accounting so you're firm... that are, kind of person. Yeah, they're so nice about it and to him. But yes, he is also wasted in that firm. <laughs> he is. I mean, I, I completely understand why that's not a good job for him. Because he can do that job in his sleep. Hmm. And that's not what he's passionate about. But they were so nice, and he did this to them three times. Three times. Great. And then they still wanted him to come back and work there. <laughs> like, Oh, accountants. Um. <laughs> Calculator. <laughs> That's still the best one. That very first one. I mean, there's a few good, good yeah. moments, but yeah. He also invents the game, Cones of Dunshire, which in my mind is a much longer running gag for Parks and Rec. Like, it's only a two or three episodes, really, but 
to my head, it was over several seasons. Oh, okay. I mean, it it was over the course of the whole season, mm. um, even though it it was really only in a couple episodes. It felt like a season long arc. Yeah, because of the way they did it. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm still not sure how I feel about it, honestly. Okay, because I think I might not be nerdy enough to enjoy that game to understand that game right and maybe that's why i'm struggling with it it's it's interesting because they've clearly gone okay let's take bits of Catan, bits of pandemic bits of like chess bits of you know mm-hmm. some sort of D type program uh type game mm-hmm. uh, and then make up something different for it and i quite like that i quite like the over-the-topness okay. of it i mean clearly it would it, it would it, not work as a game so Right. Well, I think that's my problem with it is is it's not a game that you could actually play. And so I like spend, end up spending too much time trying to figure out what they're doing instead of actually just enjoying the show. Okay. <laughs> because I I get sucked into those nitpicky little details. Right. And I think that's why I struggled with it, but I did I did quite enjoy the idea that it was something that kind of grassroots caught on. And spread, mm. and it was because the accounting firm copyrighted it for him, and like let that happen. Yeah, like that was a nice little twist, especially now that they're having babies. Yes, <laughs> plural. <laughs> so hopefully he's going to get some royalties out of this. <laughs> I um uh, did see a chap oh, a couple of months ago now uh, wearing a Konzo Donshire T-shirt, so I gave him the the low key like nice shirt as we walked past each other. <laughs> <laughs> But you mentioned the pregnancy there, so that's one of our other big uh, season-long plots. Oh, season-long multi-episode yeah. plots. Uh, Leslie figuring out she's pregnant in flu season two, and then his realization <laughs> that he wants children, which comes very quickly. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, and then dealing with the fact they're having triplets. Right. Thoughts? So that episode was a ro- bit of a roller coaster for me hmm. because my first instinct was flu season two. Come on, we've already done this. And then we see everybody's got the flu and Leslie starts throwing up, but she's still got this really important work to do. Come on, we've already done this. <laughs> and then, like, when she's at the pharmacy talking to the pharmacist about it, like, right before she figures it out, I figured it out. And I like just gasp and put my hand over my mouth and I'm just sitting here watching it. And I'm like, oh my God, Leslie's pregnant. And then I was happy. Nice. But I was not okay with this episode at first. And so it was kind of this up and down roller coaster of emotions. Then when when Ben came home and, and she finally got to tell him, because I mean, that was a good episode for Ben. When Adam Scott gets to play drunk Ben, that, mm. that's always a good time. Um, but when, when he got home and told her and her smile is just so big and so genuine and she just says well i've got some good news for you and then it fades to black yep i was very happy like that was the first genuinely happy excited moment i had in the whole season yeah was that moment um and and i quite enjoyed it and then you know moving on from that when we find out it's triplets and you realize how exciting that is but then you get to see ben is the one who's spiraling out of stress and panic yeah I really liked that nice twist that Leslie is the one who ordinarily cannot handle things and she is over the top and freaking out and she's the one who is calming Ben down. 
It was nice. Mm, very well handled. And, and uh, like you say, slightly different than the norm, certainly for this show. Yeah. So, I mean, it it was those last three episodes where the season really turned around for me. Basically, from the time they found out they were having triplets to the end of the season, which technically was three episodes. But for me, it was only two because Netflix combined the last two because uh, okay. they aired yeah, as yeah. a single episode. Um, so I really, really enjoyed the end of the season hmm. uh, because that's when it finally picked back up and we got to see happiness and excitement and not just the same old same old that we've been seeing mm-hmm. so it's good because that's the episode where they're dealing with the the sommelier stuff as well mm-hmm. and they've got ben and ron out in the woods and getting drunk and you've got leslie mm-hmm. and andy off doing stuff so there's a lot going on but it's basically only jerry who has the flu yes like flu season is arguably Larry. the setup <laughs> Well, yeah, I think that's what they want. They wanted you to think because they wanted it to be a surprise that True. she's Yeah, pregnant. yeah. That's fair. Um, and so I think the reaction that I had was probably what they were going for. It just irritates me that that's what they were going for. Mm. Um, and then the last of our probably big plots is the Unity concert, mm-hmm. uh, which I like. It's a very good idea for what they're mm-hmm. looking for to combine the two things. Um, I, I quite enjoy thinking back over all the events they've done. Uh, so the Harvest Festival and I can't even remember the other things, but other things have been put on. Little Sebastian's Memorial. Mm-hmm. I quite like that in the most part you see all the setup and all the problems and the back behind the scenes stuff, but you don't get to see much of the event. And this feels very similar. This is clearly a massive, massive thing, but we've only seen the setup to it. Mm-hmm. I, I like that. That's what the show should be about. Yes. I was a little bit thrown off by the show because... Um, they had been struggling for so long for getting the headliners for the the music. I mean, it's mm. supposed to be a concert, and they hadn't really gotten it. I mean, they were so far down in the barrel that they went and convinced Land Ho to get back together because they couldn't find anybody else. And then the day of the show, we get the Decemberist. We get letters to Cleo. Yeah. You know, we've got all of these really big headliners up there, and which was awesome. It was great to see, but I felt a disconnect from the what they showed of the prep of the concert and what the concert actually was. Yes. I think I'd agree. They keep, they keep the thing running for Andy trying to get bands, but the joke there or, or the story there is more often than not, we're actually not able to get any good bands. Right. So it's a bit, it, it, yeah, there is a dissonance between what the story they're telling us is and what we actually see in the end. Mm-hmm. But how cool is it that it's it, letters to Cleo? Oh, watching Ben watch them yeah. was amazing. And then she winks at him <laughs> and his face. Yes. <laughs> yeah. It took me a second to figure out that was letters to Cleo. Um, because she looks I've my familiarity with letters to Cleo is from Ten Things I Hate About You. Mm-hmm. And she looks different here right. because it's ten years later or whatever. Um, and so I, I didn't recognize her. But then as soon as I saw Ben standing in the sidelines and then it went back to her and I was like, she's a blonde woman leading a band. Oh, my God, that's letters to Cleo. And then I saw he was wearing the shirt and then he got really excited mm. and, and I was very happy for him. And bless you that it's only 10 years since 10 things. It's like 15 at that stage. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> well, no. Oh, well, I guess it was. Next. 2014 yeah. to 1999. You're right. To next year is I its 20th like anniversary. <laughs> God, I'm so old. 
I, I, I do want to say, though, I'm, I'm impressed by how they let Andy kind of run with the Unity concert mm-hmm. idea and kind of manage, because it was music, they let him manage the lineup and the volunteers and the work assignments. They gave him a lot of responsibility, and he didn't mess it up. Yeah. I mean, he messed up a lot of other stuff, but he didn't mess that up. Mm. And I thought that was that was really nice. He did have some girth. I mean, he he kept the secret. He didn't even tell April. Yes. Um, Leslie and Ben's secret. And that is not something that the Andy from two seasons ago would have been able to do. True. And And you'd almost... I'd have completely forgiven him for telling April. Oh, absolutely. Because she's his wife. <laughs> exactly. I completely expected him to tell her mm. because she was his wife. Um, but they do redeem but it. But I'm really yeah. impressed that he didn't. Yeah. It was good. Anne and Chris, move out, have a baby. Yeah. A huge amount more to say there. I don't think they got anything that was great. Mm-mm. It was the stories you do about a couple who are having a child. Yeah, I mean, they did jump pretty quickly from friends who were choosing to have a baby last season to they're in love and maybe want to get married and move to another city together to start a family. Mm. Like, they they showed us, they didn't tell, or they told us, they didn't show us. Um, So that was a little weird. Yeah. And then they were just gone. Yeah. Is it possible Rob Lowe wasn't around as much this time? Because I feel like we got very little of him. So Michael Schur said, um, we've been working on their storyline on and off for four seasons and heading into this year with the two of them contemplating parenthood. It felt like a natural time to move them into the next phase. Yeah. And and yes, it does absolutely work. It is justifiable. Well, this is an, an, a nice number statistic. It says, Rob, we initially thought we could only have for six or eight episodes and we couldn't be happier that he will have stuck around for 75. Right. So that's the thing. Yeah. It's certainly better than when he left the West Wing. <laughs> Yes. Because we can't go an episode of Parks and Rec without mentioning the West Wing. (laughs) Of course not. I honestly don't know which character I like more now, Chris Traeger or Sam Seaborn. Sam Seaborn. I'm going to have to give that some thought. I think Chris Traeger becomes a very dull caricature by seasons five and six. I think there's not a lot to the character that keep him interesting. By comparison of when he comes in in season three and he's doing his clicking, pointing, running, literally, and Perkins thing. That's fair. Whereas Sam Seaborn is always interesting and intelligent. Not always making the right decisions. Not always doing stuff in the way that he should be doing. But he's an interesting character. You are correct. I feel really hard comparing Parks and Rec to the West Wing, though. Because <laughs> that is not even a comparison. <laughs> No, it's really not. It's it's really not. They're both shows I enjoy, though. Yes. Okay. Are there any other plots from the season that we want to dive into at all? Um, I kind of do want to talk about how Ron and April are both so different this season. Mm. Because they both really are. Um, I mean, Ron still has his whole anti-government kind of don't talk to me, I enjoy the silence thing Shtick. going on. yeah. <laughs> But he's also a dad now, and he loves kids now, and he volunteers at an elementary school and is allowed to be King Sparkles of the Cupcake Forest. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's it's definitely very different. It's a different Ron than we've seen before. Do you think for, I mean, both of them, but considering them separately, do you think it's natural? Do you think we've gotten to this stage, or it was a change they did for this season to give them more 
character writing? I think they wanted it to be natural. And I think it would have been natural had we actually gotten to see him interacting with his new family. Mm. But we saw him marry Diane and then we didn't see Diane again until the last episode of the season. Yeah. We only got to see him with the baby that miraculously appeared one day. Yeah. And and like once with so, the girls. Right. I can connect those dots by imagining how his life had changed at home. But it would have been nicer if they had shown us that. And so we could have actually gradually seen him grow instead of just having him suddenly be okay with being King Sparkles. Yeah. And um, it probably tells you a bit more about the audience they were pitching at that they spend more time or so much time on Tom and his businesses and not on Ron and a family. Yeah. Because Ron and a family was, I mean, that's a big deal. Mm. That is such a change from the run that we had previously seen. Um, and April? April told Anne Perkins she loves her. Hmm. I mean, it was fantastic. I do think April's was more natural. Okay. I think um, I think we have gradually seen her grow to genuinely care about these people in the parks department. Um, it was last season or the season before when um, – I think it was the season before when Leslie was running her campaign and April decided that during the, the when they did the call center that she had to absolutely crush Chris Traeger because that's what she needed to do mm. to be evil. <laughs> but then when she saw how crushed he was, she gave him the tickets that she won. Mm. You know, and so we had kind of started to see little nuggets of her really starting to bond with these people. And so I think her transformation made more sense because we also still did get to see dark, angsty April. I mean, she wore black with a veil at the prom. <laughs> um, but it it still was a very different April than we've gotten before. It just wasn't quite as unexpected mm -hmm. because they gave us more of a chance to see her grow. That's true. And the April that we saw in season six is like not even recognizably the same character from season one. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. That... Um, so I think the writers did did a better job with her. Mm. Okay. I I thought it was the other way, but you talking there, yeah, I think I agree with you because her growth is about the friends and the department, whereas Ron's is mm -hmm. about the family and we don't see it. I've been able to reconcile Ron's with, okay, we've not seen it. But yeah, I think you're right. I, uh, her growth is better because we've had more moments of it. Mm -hmm. mm, okay. I do want to mention Donna's uh, fairly early episode, but about her tweeting something rude from the Parks and Rec Twitter account and the, the, uh, them getting access to her private account and finding her things about Leslie and, and the, the bitch boss and the boss bitch stuff. Mm -hmm. Hashtag sister from another Mr. Hashtag boss bitch. It appears, whereas bitch boss is clearly an indication of her frustration, boss bitch is a term of endearment. Isn't language fun? It's like racquetball for your mouth. Yep. We, we'd said about how she didn't have anything last season, and very quickly, she has a whole plot to herself. <laughs> yes. Um, and it was a plot that at first made me angry. Mm -hmm. <laughs> because the way, the way that that story unfolded was they only told us, once they got to what Donna was tweeting about Leslie, it was all bitch boss. We only got to see the bad stuff. At first, yeah. and it was all at once. And so we, because we were, you know, this was unfolding for us through Leslie's point of view. And so that's what she got at first. And I was thinking, 
this doesn't make sense. Donna is not like this. Donna genuinely likes Leslie. Mm. Like, we've seen that. So why is she doing this on Twitter? I didn't understand. And it frustrated me, and it did genuinely upset me. But then they kept going, and Donna came back and said, okay, but here are the other things that you didn't see. And here's why I do this, and here's why I actually love you. Mm. And the resolution to that story was lovely. Yes. Um, it just it took me a minute to get there, which is I mean, I think it's a good thing because they they wanted to, you know, rile me up um, <laughs> and they did. But then they they resolved it very well. I Donna was a great character this season. Mm-hmm. They um, with her being the realtor and wanting to help people. Um, she wasn't just sitting at her desk being snarky this season. Like we've mostly seen her be in the past. Mm-hmm. And that was nice. Yeah, they definitely humanized her a lot more. The, the, there's an element that it took away some of the mystique. Because they've always implied in the past that she has this absolutely glamorous lifestyle and does things that like no one else and is good with money and so on. Mm-hmm. This season made her a lot more normal, but it gave her a lot more uh, scope for doing actual stories. Yeah, they tried to bring it back around in the episode with Joe mm. when when she was like, sometimes I disappear for a day or two because I'm fly fishing or I like to go to nightclubs or I like to go to Seattle. <laughs> you know, so they, they tried to wrap that up and bring it back around. Um, I'm not sure how well it worked, mm. but it was. They tried. Yeah. I'll give them. I'll give them an A for effort. Mm. Mentioning Joe, this season's guest appearances, like you said earlier, we have a lot of good guest appearances. Uh, mm-hmm. A number of football players. We had Heidi Klum in that London episode. Genuine finally turned up. Keegan Michael Key, <laughs> who I think was not. A, a, a big star at that time but watching it now it's like oh hey it's the dude who made Keanu and his friends with Jordan Peele and stuff um, mm-hmm. Peter Serafinowicz who I think is probably more famous over here but you would have seen him in a couple of things oh he's in The Tick at the moment he is the titular Tick um, oh, okay I haven't watched any of that oh it's good it's good it takes some time to get there but very good uh, Sam Elliott Henry Winkler Hey. The reveal about Henry Winkler was last season, wasn't it? That he is Jean Ralphio's dad. Um, that is a really good cameo because he is actually very good in this part. Uh, we've mentioned letters to letters from Cleo and the Decemberists. We, we've had in several seasons now Dan Castellanata, nope, Dan Castellaneta uh, as the radio show host. So Homer Simpson. That's who that is. Yeah. I was like, I know that guy, and that voice sounds so familiar. <laughs> that makes sense. Okay. And this season, he's pe- he's um, paired up with his Eagletonian, Eagleton counterpart, John Hodgman, mm-hmm. which is quite nice. Again, someone who's who's now much more famous, but certainly has been doing very popular podcasts for a long time. And then in that final episode, we have John Hamm as the new Jerry. <laughs> Where is Ed with the file? Ed! I'm sorry, Miss Snope. I lost the file. It's gone. Ed, you're a nice guy, but you're the most incompetent person I've ever worked with, and that includes Terry. Jeez, get it together, Terry. Clean out your desk. You're fired. I understand. Thank you for the literally hundreds of opportunities you've given me. Goodbye, everyone. It's been a great three years. Which I love. That made me laugh. Which is amazing. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, but you, you didn't mention my very favorite one. So um, anybody who follows me on Twitter probably knows exactly whenever I got to this episode because I tweeted in all caps, oh my God, Tatiana Maslany is in Parks and Rec. (laughs) 
I was so excited. And they made her a viable love interest for Tom. She was a good character. Like, I don't know how that was possible, mm. but it was fantastic. She was amazing. I wish they had brought her back and it wasn't just that one episode. Was it only one episode? I thought it was a couple. It may okay, have been but... two, um, but I feel like it was only one. Mm. Um, but, but I mean, either way, at the end of that little story, she went off to Doctors Without Borders and then we never hear from her again. Yeah. And it would have been really nice if she had come back and we got to see her with Tom. Mm-hmm. Because they actually, that was really nice. Man, that was so much fun. Yeah. Together, we truly did steal a toy from your pregnant friend. Hey, can I ask you something? Mm-hmm. I know we just met like two weeks ago and whatever, but is there any chance... Maybe when you get back, we can maybe... Ooh, clingy. Oh, no. Sorry. No, 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 no. I'm kidding. Of course I'll call you when I come back. Really? Yeah. <laughs> and it was Tatiana Maslany, which is amazing. Is Parks and Recreation set in the same universe as Orphan Black, and this is another clone? <laughs> no. Oh. Absolutely not. Because <laughs> then that links Orphan Black to the MCU... okay maybe i'll give you that one Um, just just so that we can maybe have you know kasima show up in uh shuri's lab one day but yeah she is wonderful in that part she for someone who is a character actor did not come across as a character actor she's just so effortless not at all at being intelligent and quippy without being snooty with it Mm-hmm. Yep. It was fantastic. Mm. Okay, I will let you continue your guest appearances now. I just needed to gush about, about her. So last season particularly, we had a lot of political guest appearances. We had a couple in this season, um, obviously in the um, – when she's dealing with the job offer for the National Parks Department. But there was one big guest appearance with the um, mm-hmm. First Lady, Michelle Obama. Yes. Hello, Mrs. Obama. Hey, Grant, how you doing? Doing good. This is Leslie Nope. She's considering a job with us running the new Midwest Bureau in Chicago. Well, you know how I feel about Chicago. You are from Chicago, so you like it. Uh, That's right. And we need passionate people like you in our national parks. You know they get hundreds of millions of visitors each year. Are you nodding because you agree with me? Yes, I do agree with you. I agree with you on all things throughout history until the end of time forever. I was very excited when I saw her. Mm. And to see Leslie's reaction to her just made my heart happy. I hope you take the job. Change happens one person at a time. Good to meet you. (sighs) Again, think it over. (laughs) It did. It's so good. It is so good. It is so good. Um, Amy Poehler is amazing. Mm. If if y'all didn't know that, like I know I keep saying that this season was underwhelming, but there are still some really, really good things that happened. And Amy Poehler being Leslie Nope is one of them. Yeah. And you could almost argue that the guest appearances are part of what made it so good or, or were some of the best bits. So the introduction of Kristen Bell and Michelle Obama and Tatiana Maslany and various people coming in. Well, that, those should not be the pinnacles for a season. That is true. 
Um, but I feel like all of the best storylines did revolve around one of the guests, like Sam Elliott with Ron, the Ron, the two Rons. Mm-hmm. Ron. Ron. It was amazing because at first you think you found somebody else who's just like Ron Swanson. And then he keeps talking and Ron, at first he loves this man and then he hates this man. And then he comes back later in the season a couple of times. And he is the one who kind of elevated those scenes mm. with with Ben being drunk on the blueberry wine and him trying to help him get through his anger. It was Sam Elliott who made that scene, not Nick Offerman. Yeah. And and to be fair, Nick Hoffman was directing that episode. So I okay. think like when we've seen him direct things or, or write things previously, he's almost less of a part of it. Which is good. That's true. You want to see them okay. giving things up for the other uh, the other actors. Yeah. Do you have favorite things you want to talk about that we've not covered? Um, I have a couple things. Mm. Um one <laughs> was one of Ron's lines when he goes up to the third floor to find silence. Um, because he's talking about how there's never any quiet anymore. Mm. He says this line. He goes, he's looking directly in the camera and he says, There is no quiet anymore. There is only Doc McStuffins. <laughs> and he's so serious yeah. and so deadpan that I just, like, I paused it and wrote down that line mm. because it just made me laugh so much. Um, I really liked... Oren dressed up as April's mom for the prom. <laughs> yes. Hey, Oren! Who's Oren? I'm April's mom. You two look adorable. Ugh, just take the picture already, mom. My baby is all grown up. I mean, it was super creepy, but it, I think that is the only time that I have genuinely enjoyed watching a scene with Oren in <laughs> yeah. it. The whole six seasons. That is the only time. Yeah. So that's a running gag that has definitely been in pretty much every season and has been a slightly weird mm-hmm. one in every season. Like you, I've gone, okay, but they're not really doing anything with this. And finally they use the character for something and it's perfect. This sort of psycho-esque dressed as a woman. <laughs> Have her home by 11. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it worked. It really mm. worked. Um, so I feel like that running gag paid off because they had even mentioned him earlier in the season. Oh, I don't remember what it was for, but April had suggested Oren for something. And Leslie's like, stop, you know, stop talking about Oren or, or something like that. And you just remember, oh, yeah, that's yeah. a character that exists. I, th- I think. And then later on, we get that. I think she even has a you need to stop hanging out with him. <laughs> yes, she mm. does. Absolutely. I think he has one more moment at the uh, a kids party or something. And he's dressed up as an Easter rabbit. No, is it? Anne's going away party that has all the different parties combined. Yes. He is the Easter Easter Bunny. I did not notice. Terrific. Okay. Again, a nice use because they put him in a place you don't expect him. Always yeah. good. Um, I also really, really liked Leslie and Ben's trip to Paris just because I love Leslie and Ben. And so watching Leslie and Ben be in love is nice. Mm-hmm. And that was different than Leslie and Ben being at work in love. It was just different. So I really liked it. Um, And I really, really liked that even though Andy was still struggling with his whole musical identity and and wanting to be in a band, he found something that he's really good at by being Johnny Karate. Mm. And that wasn't something I expected. And so that was really enjoyable for me. And to see how happy April was for him 
when he was so good at it, mm. was really, really nice. Yeah, she fully supported him in doing that with everything she could. Yeah, absolutely. Which, again, a lot of her stories revolve around supporting him or supporting Leslie or even Ron. Yeah, mm. I guess that's true. And Tom in a few episodes. Yeah, especially with the bistro mm. at the end. She's definitely all in supporting yeah. him. Give her own stories. I would like to... I, I honestly believe that one day in the future of Pawnee, April is going to run the Parks and Recs department. Okay. I do. I believe that. Should I write that down as a prediction? Well, no, because I don't think it's going to happen during the life of the show. There's only 13 more episodes to go. Okay. I just mean one day in the future of Pawnee. Okay. Like, unwritten, if this were real and it continued on this trajectory, that would happen. Cool, cool, cool. Okay, I have one more favorite thing. Go ahead. So the thing that absolutely made me realize that I did still really love Parks and Rec sometimes was when Ron came out as Duke Silver at the Unity concert. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Duke Silver! I legitimately cried. Oh, really? I did. I got tears in my... They were happy tears. I was so excited and so happy. I got tears in my eyes when he came out. Because Andy was so excited. I mean, Andy was already really excited because they got him up there with the band to play. And he got to play his tribute to little Sebastian. And then Ron comes out and he plays the saxophone. Yes. It made me cry. And then I basically cried the rest of the episode. I mean, there was only like five minutes left. But I was very, very happy. And then shocked and then happy again so so when he first comes out i almost don't buy it because when he's used duke silver in the past in inverted commas it's been to support someone or his music knowledge helping or him sharing a secret with diane that no one else knows Mm -hmm. and this wasn't in service of anything this was just him doing it because all the music people in the town were up on stage i think they earn that moment a bit later with her saying the kids were they've never been so excited than they were seeing you doing that mm-hmm. so you go oh he was doing it for his family okay got it well i kind of i felt like they they tried to say that before he got up there because bef- the last thing that we saw with his family mm. um before he goes up on stage was Diane said something to him about it, like, are you sure you don't want to do this? You know, we had just gotten Andy talking to him about it and how wonderful music is and how he should share it. And then Diane is kind of doing the same thing and and letting him know if this is something you really want to do, you should do it because you're amazing. And then after that, I think that's when we get the weird Tammy scene and then he comes out. Yeah. And so I felt like they kind of built up to it, but I think they really solidified it when we did get that after scene of the kids being really excited. Mm. Um, But it made me happy because, I mean, one, that's one of the running gags for the whole show Mm -hmm. is Duke Silver. And we have seen on and off how important Duke Silver is to Ron. And so for him to acknowledge it in public and to acknowledge this part of himself was really nice i think and that's why i got a little bit emotional um it kind of goes along with that whole arc that they gave him that they just didn't do very well of of telling us Mm -hmm. or showing us how he was changing Mm. but it fit right along those same lines that's why i liked it yeah Uh, one of my favorite things is in that moment as well 
but the little Sebastian hologram. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. That's just so yeah, that good. Yeah, me up. <laughs> <laughs> and they they'd made reference to holograms earlier and about the the raising of the money to do silly hologram things, but to do it for right. little Sebastian, just th- this show buys its own mythos so well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh yeah, and I love that they had letters to Cleo and then Decemberists up there singing the tribute to Sebastian. <laughs> yeah. Like they learned the song to sing at this concert in Pawnee. Terrific. Really good. Um, what else what else did you really like about this season? Uh, we've talked in broad strokes, uh, like I like the merger and some of the character movements they do. But there's there's a few specific moments that I really enjoy. Uh, ben trying to make the lawyer laugh and expecting him to laugh like accountants do. I've been talking to Ron about estate planning, and he is here to do some goodwill hunting. So he has to draw up a new will, so... Yes, I understand. Yeah. Why. Thank you. As I've said before, I just don't like puns. Oh, well, my accountant friends seem to enjoy them. And, and then the lawyer <laughs> smacking him down with a, you know, accountants don't know good jokes, trust me. Wait, is this a joke? It is not a joke. Not that an accountant wouldn't know the difference. <laughs> <laughs> it's very nice. Um, mm-hmm. I liked uh, Leslie with the question mark stickers or, or not needing the question mark stickers so April takes them and for the rest of the episode you just have question mark stickers everywhere yes. no, no attention is paid to it they don't call to it at all it's just she now has a <laughs> shed load of question mark stickers and they're up everywhere mm-hmm. <laughs> yep I, I like oh, I, I like that that sort of feeds the world itself you know, this is just, it's what she does, and she's gone and done it, and it's fine, and now we move on. Uh, yeah. Uh, the episode about the farmer's market, which I think was <laughs> written or directed by Adam Scott. Oh, really? Yeah, she directed that one. But I just love the ongoing vegetable puns, and particularly the charred puns. It's it's so bad and silly that it appeals to my very silly sense of humour. Charred bodies. Get a chard on. Let's get me charred in here! Please be kind to others. And in case of fire, remain calm. And you won't believe how nice all of our vendors are. It's vegetable porn. Porn on the cob. This is uncharted territory for us. Oh, that's nice. That's fair. <laughs> Just, I, I almost don't expect them to keep coming. And then they keep making these jokes all the way through. Great. Yeah. 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 I'm here for that. But probably my my ultimate best moment of the season is when Anne finally sits down to tell Leslie that she's moving out of Pawnee. And Leslie's face just starts breaking. You can see how devastating this is. And Anne just goes, what's this? I've got waffles. Here, have a bite of this lovely waffle. (laughs) And and Amy Poehler's so confused. She's looking down. She's looking up. She's sad. She's happy. She's having a waffle push in her face. And she's just like, what? What? And we are thinking very seriously about leaving Pawnee and moving somewhere else to start our family. Oh, my God. Look at that. It's waffles. Delicious waffles. Should we try? Yeah, let's try. Huh? Mmm. Wait, what were you saying? Mm, Try. Just enjoy. Yeah. There we go. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. It's so good. Um, I I love that they have kept up the waffle gag the Mm. whole way through, too. I mean, the way to Leslie Nope's heart is through waffles with whipped cream on them. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, that's that's one of my enduring memories of Parks and Rec. Like, because, mm-hmm. again, they don't 
call attention to it up until the moment it's there. We don't see her sneaking it in. We don't see them on her lap. There's no winking, hey, what? this is what I'm doing. They just do the joke. Because mm-hmm. you pay any attention to it and it falls apart. Like, hey, how did she manage to get the... No, they're just there. Trust us, guys. They're just there, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yep. Great. I don't want to say this was a favorite moment, but I did actually cry when Anne and Chris left. Oh, really? But I think that was because of Leslie's emotion was feeding my emotion. Mm-hmm. And so it was. she was just so sad and devastated, but also happy for them because they were beginning their new life. And you know me, I'm driven by emotion. And so I was feeling every bit of that. And so I did cry um, because part of it was I really didn't expect them to actually leave and not come back. I still okay. wasn't prepared for that because I didn't I didn't know they left the show. I had no idea. Um, and so I'm thinking, okay, they're gone, but we're still going to see them. Like somehow we're going to see what's going on. And of course, we didn't. I mean, yes, yeah, she had the baby, so we saw her for like 30 seconds, but that's it. Mm. Yeah, they do layer it on quite heavily, the leaving. It's a, it's a very big goodbye, and pretty much throughout the episode, which is fair because they've been a big part of this show, certainly Anne from the beginning. Mm-hmm. But it's very, very heavy. <laughs> I um, I really liked in in that episode where they they did some of those flashback scenes to the the pilot mm-hmm. where we first were introduced to Leslie and Anne, mm-hmm. and just seeing how different they are and how they've got like remembering the characters they were back then mm-hmm. and where they are now. Yeah, um, I I liked that reminder that they gave us. Okay, well, is there anything else that we need to discuss about Parks and Rec season six? So we need to talk about the next season and what we're doing with that. But before we get in there, if this season had been the final season of Parks and Rec, would you have been satisfied? Before I answer that, do you know, was this supposed to be the last season? I I don't. If I read into this and what they've shown and what we saw in previous seasons, I think at the end of season five, they knew they were getting season six because it's so heavily set up for what's to come. Whereas in this, it's it's got that element of writing you see in a show that doesn't know whether it's being renewed or not. That that it mm-hmm. has a little bit of setups. So one of the parts of this conversation is the fact it moves forward to 2017. Way into the future. <laughs> but it gives us that glimpse of where some of the characters have gone to. And, and further development for them, which could be could be a natural conclusion. I don't know whether it is or not, but it could also be, and this is where we're going to next. Okay, so for me, it felt very much like this was supposed to be a series finale. Got it. That they tied everything up in a neat little bow Mm. because Leslie got her cake and she got to eat it too. She got to run a national park service. She got to do it from Pawnee Mm -hmm. and she got to hire the people that she loved the most. Yeah. And then we got to see her kids. And so for me, it feels like that was very much supposed to be the end of the story. Like we have seen what we needed to see from Leslie Nope's story from beginning to end. Okay. And so I was legitimately surprised to see that three-year time jump at the end mm-hmm. because I knew there's a season seven. And so I wasn't expecting that time jump to be there. I, n- now that you say 2017, like my brain is – Vaguely remembering that you had told me at one point that there was a time jump before that last season, but I didn't remember that. Okay. Um, And so when it happened, I was completely shocked. And then I was thinking, I don't know where they're going to go from this because this feels like the end. 
So I'm very curious about season seven, especially since you've been very open about your dislike of it. Yeah, I. one of the reasons I've wanted to watch this again, why this was a great pick, is because I wanted to see, was it just because I was expecting something different, because I was binging it, because I wasn't paying enough attention to it, whatever. And and so far I'm going through the same sort of feeling. Like you, this season was not as strong as it was previously. It, it was good from a character perspective, but that's about it. Um Mm-hmm. But it ended very strong. And so I feel like I legitimately feel like this was a natural conclusion to the story that they were trying to tell us. And so I don't know where they're going to take us next. I mean, where else is there to go when Parks and Rec is about Leslie being the deputy director of a local Parks and Recreation Department? She's not in Parks and Rec anymore. She's in the National Park Service. You know, she's not doing the same job. She's grown out of that job. And so she's kind of gone beyond the scope of what the show was. Maybe I'm thinking too much about this. No, I I agree. If you're looking for an arc in here, her time in Parks and Rec, where she goes through the biggest changes, meets Anne, Mm -hmm. meets Ben, so on and so forth. That is a a natural telling for this show, for the story. Mm -hmm. So to now go somewhere else is, oh, and we're going to bolt on a bit of this discussion. A bit of this story. Yeah. Yeah. Which is hard because it, it comes in almost in media res. You know, we, they are just the Parks and Rec department. She just does this thing. So you've, you can never call it a complete story. Yeah. There was a time before and there will be a time after. They're going to show us more of the time uh, after. Yeah. Hmm. That's true. Um, so, I mean, I'm very interested to see where it's going to go. Especially now that she is running a national group. She has three kids. Mm-hmm. She, she has a, um, she has a, a John Ham. No, she fired John Ham. <laughs> she she has had a John Ham. <laughs> yeah, she has had a John Ham. Yeah, and it it helps to know that it's a shorter season. Um, but I do want to know what they wrote for her next. Okay, because that was going to be my other question: is do you want to do season seven? Yes. Okay. Uh, Absolutely. I'm assuming that's. In in despite your reservations about this season, there is no way you are not finishing it off. Correct. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. You're not so strong on this season as you were last season, but again, there's no way you wouldn't have watched what was coming. You wouldn't have called season five the last season and been satisfied. Oh no. Yeah. No, I had. I mean, I had to see season six to kind of get the outcome of the recall. Like I needed season six to bring resolution to season five. Mm-hmm. And now I don't need any resolution to season six because I feel like they did a really good job of ending it. But because I know there's more, I want to know what that more is. Yeah. You know, it, it's like, I, I don't even have a good metaphor for what it's like, but I just need to know. Like, I know there's something out there. And so I, I need to know what they wanted me to know. Okay. So predictions. <laughs> Having jumped I three years in the future. Yeah. What what do you? I got nothing. Uh, we've kind of had a view of what Leslie's up to. Um, ben is having a big night. It's his night, and he's in a tuxedo mm-hmm. with his hair slicked back. Just mm-hmm. Not a look that suits him. <laughs> what do you think Donna's up to? <laughs> I mean, as far as I can tell, they all somehow work for her now instead of Pawnee. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if that's true. Um, maybe they just all stayed in Pawnee together and and they don't all actually work together anymore but I mean considering that basically the Parks and Rec Department also ran Tom's Bistro Mm. you know they kind of did everything together so I find it hard to believe that 
Terry is the only one who made it um, to Leslie's new department. Yeah. Okay. Um, even though they didn't show us anybody else. Um, <laughs> other, honestly, I don't know. I have no idea where the story could go from here. I mean, Ron's kid's going to be older now, too, so maybe we get some play dates. Okay. You know, maybe April and Andy are finally going to have a kid. Ron and Leslie and their kids hanging out, having a wacky time at the park. Yes. Okay. Absolutely. Um, I mean, we already saw that, that Leslie trusts April and Andy enough to watch their three kids. Mm. Well, they trust April enough. They just let Andy tag along. Um, so there's definitely some kind of growth there. But yeah, as far as like possible story plots, I don't know because they're, they they didn't leave us anything that needed to be built on anymore. Yeah. There's nothing open of, oh, will Tom's business succeed? Because I don't care anymore. <laughs> you know, what will Donna be up to? Well, they've not told her what she's up to most of the time. So, uh, Right. Yeah. She's just going to be awesome because that's what she does. I suppose the big question is, what I'm trying to circle around to is, what is Craig up to? oh lord help us all yeah i imagine he is still doing wine tasting for tom Hmm. (laughs) or maybe he'll just disappear and never mention him again maybe possibly actually can't television shows have been known to do that yeah i can't remember he moves away and gets together with mark brandanowitz (laughs) oh okay that would be interesting i do not want to see that in mandyville (laughs) (laughs) Okay, before we wrap up, I want to tell you about um, something that I saw on Facebook this week. Mm -hmm. And I reposted it, so you may have seen it. I don't know. But it made me way happier than it probably should have. Okay. So Adam Scott went on vacation to Italy. And he was taking some kind of pizza-making class. Mm. And he kept messing up the pizza. And so the instructor helped him make calzones instead. (laughs) Excellent. And I saw that, and it just made me happy. Mm-hmm. It makes me wonder if Adam Scott likes calzones as much as Benoit does. Uh, I'm not sure anyone likes it as much, but clearly, <laughs> clearly he's ready to chow down on them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. I'm, I'm always ready to chow down on a calzone. I did. Um, I saw a very good video on uh, YouTube. I, I was trying to look up because there were some interviews with the cast. I think on on DVD extras, interviews with the cast in London. So I was like, oh, that'd be interesting. I'll have to watch that. Mm-hmm. Couldn't find them anywhere. They appear to not be on YouTube. But I did find a video of every time Ben looks at the camera. And it's like a 12-minute long video. <laughs> That's awesome. And it's just because it is always the, the setup and reply. So it is always someone saying or doing something stupid and him looking at the camera. It, uh-huh. It's actually quite good. <laughs> so another funny thing just about that is, so my boyfriend has never watched Parks and Rec. He doesn't really know anything about it and he was playing xbox last night and i was sitting next to him watching parks and rec on my laptop with my earphones in and he just stops me like he pauses his game and he takes his headphones off and he stops me and he says that guy looks at the camera all the time like (laughs) is he just like really insecure and checking to see like that he's doing things right with the cameraman and he was actually talking about chris pratt oh really yeah, and I was like, no, no, that's just part of the show. And he goes, oh, is it, is it kind of like The Office? And I was like, yeah. And he was like, oh, okay. <laughs> but it was just, it's so funny to me that he's never watched it. He doesn't get the sound, so he's only kind of seeing what's playing on my laptop. Mm. And that's what he noticed, is that Chris Pratt is always looking at the camera. Yeah. And and he is, certainly earlier seasons, I've not noticed 
it so much recently, but he looks at the camera for affirmation. Like, I've done something good, so look at the camera. Or I'm doing something embarrassing, look at the camera because I'm embarrassed. Right. Whereas April and Ben look at the camera with a, can you believe these people? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes. And Adam Scott is so good at that. Mm. Aubrey Plaza is not quite as good as it because she got... It was harder for her not to break in later seasons than it was in earlier seasons. Okay. I felt like there were a lot of times where you were, were watching her and you could tell she was trying not to laugh. Oh, really? Like she was trying <laughs> to keep that serious April face on, but she was like grinning and then not grinning and then grinning and then not grinning. Um, but Ben never did that. Adam Scott never did that. He was always like, what is happening? Mm right now when he looked at him so including his reaction to the little sebastian hologram where he still does his like (laughs) what (laughs) yeah exactly can you believe this tale Uh, one thing i haven't mentioned is we got a tweet from at austin j fay um i i I said about feedback for this season and referenced cones of dunshire and he just said playing cones of dunshire which, yes, it is just, it, it's an absolute tentpole moment for the season, for the series, I think. Um, he said, I also love Tom and Leslie's presentation of H2 Flow in the Fluoride episode. I don't know if this was the strongest season, but there were still pr- plenty of great moments. And yet the Fluoride yeah, thing is quite nice. Yeah, it was. Mm. Definitely. That was the episode where they really started to showcase Tom's growth. Okay. Um, I do think that last line is is the perfect way to describe this season. It's definitely not the strongest, but it did have a lot of really great moments, mm. um, especially in the back half of the season. Yeah. It was really good. And they almost do half seasons quite well in Parks and Rec, so, you know, it kind of holds up hope for season five, for season seven, but... Because um, mm-hmm. when you think about it, there's the, the storylines never quite go over a whole season. They sort of drift in and out, which is a little bit more natural for life but less natural for yeah. a TV show. All right. Well, if you would like to join the conversation, you can use the hashtag PC Deprived on Twitter. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Eloquent Gushing. You can also email us using podcast at eloquentgushing.com, or you can leave us a voice message at speakpipe.com slash eloquentgushing. You can find each of us on Twitter. I'm at Mandy Kay. And I'm at Matthew Rose. Uh, don't forget to subscribe if you like the show. There are loads of places you can find us on uh, Apple Podcasts, on Google Play, uh, TuneIn Radio, iHeartRadio, Stitcher Radio, probably other radios. Um, we are also on Spotify <laughs> if you um, if you use Spotify, so you can actually look up Eloquent Gushing, and you should be able to get a feed of all of the different shows we put out. And check out our homepage, eloquentgushing.com, where you can subscribe to our weekly newsletter and to hear all the latest news announcements about our network. We'll be back next week with another episode of Pop Culturally Deprived, where we'll talk about the book, Dune. Until next time, I'm Andy Kay. And I'm not a sore loser. It's just that I prefer to win, and when I don't, I get furious. Pop Culturally Deprived is an eloquent gushing production. For more information, go to eloquentgushing.com or find us on Twitter at eloquentgushing.